3: Bills podcast I'm an adult I know what I'm about
2: Welcome everybody to another edition of the rock pile report podcast I'm your host Bill season ticket holder drew gear that's my producer Chris Krueger And we have officially reached the first podcast of the Buffalo Bills 2023 season. (sighs) It feels good for all that to be over, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't like that the Chiefs won. I don't like any of how the Super Bowl unfolded.
3: No. Should we walk people through that? I mean, (laughs) I don't know if they want to or not. Can we get this off first? I know last week we said that we were going to upload a video of you and iman watching tailgate takedown but that got rejected by youtube
2: yeah well i did
3: my best to make it not
2: we have to figure out how to skirt copyright law and by skirt i mean comply with a giant george costanza wink yeah yeah just to describe to the listeners so chris has this thing in his head for the entire off season, since we're no longer doing beer watch and there's uh, Chris, Chris gets to breathe a sigh of relief. In the summertime, that's, this is like the summer of Chris. He now gets to just chef up cocktails and drink those that we record. He can be a fancy lad over there with his pebble ice and what the
3: hell is this glass called? It's called a coupe. I hate you.
2: I hate the fact that I'm holding something called a coupe.
3: fancy. It's uh, what's needed to serve that drink that you're about to dive into. Why? Okay, like
2: I get it. Like if you're like some beer glasses, right? They're shaped in a certain way to try to promote like, like you want more smells, so you kind of flute the top of the thing or whatever. I I can understand some of that because it's carbonated and you're trying to activate the senses, like the sense of smell along with the sense of taste. What the hell difference does it make what glass you make this cocktail in?
3: Well, for starters, it doesn't need ice. Okay, so when it's when you're not putting it in ice or on a rock, you would want it served up. That's what that is with a coupe or a Nick and Nora glass.
2: I just hate how much you know about this. Hey, because it's a, because I know what garbage you actually are, and this is like fancy, like upper crust knowledge that you shouldn't possess.
3: Well, I mean, I came from a That's, that's a, I'm I came from a white upper class Yeah, you did area in Atlanta. I did go to private school, so. <sighs> that's right.
2: So if anything, this is just you returning to your Oh, this is Chris returning to his upper
3: upper-crust roots. Fancy, yeah. fancy Chris, guys. Are you going to give that a sip or what?
2: I am. There's a very interesting design in the top of this.
3: Yeah, yeah. You can it, it says three dots of Angostura bitters. For the top, because you—I don't know if you can tell, but that is an egg white I know. cocktail. <clears throat> so,
2: anytime I see a bunch of froth on top of a drink that doesn't dissipate, I feel like like head on a beer at least dissipates. Whenever I see froth on top of a glass that doesn't, like nothing makes nothing seems more appetizing than that.
1: Yeah.
3: All right, here it we is. Go. It's a good cocktail. I had never had it until I had to get the bottle of spirit. I can smell the bitters. As you should. i put a lot on top to make that design.
2: All right. So at first glance, I take a sip off this stupid glass, and what I get is like something that tastes, there's almost like a black licorice kind of uh, quality to it.
3: All right. Would you have it again?
2: I mean, I'm going to. I'm going to sit here and sip this well, Yeah, nonsense. you're going to
3: drink it, but I'm saying if you were out at a cocktail bar and you saw that on a menu...
2: Now, getting more of the bitters off the top of the float. Okay. It's growing on me slowly, but it's still very licoricey.
3: Almost like a ouzo... Can you pick out the spirit? There's only one spirit in there. There's only one spirit. Well, it's
2: thin... I mean, I can see through it. It's not tinted like a bourbon, so
3: I'm going to assume it's more of a liqueur. It's Pisco.
2: The hell is Pisco?
3: I don't know, but I think it's from the... Are you talking uh, about pesto? Pisco. P-I-S-C-O. Pisco. It's a Pisco sour. It looks two, like Pisco. <laughs> two ounces of <laughs> Pisco. Half ounce of lime and lemon juice, three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, and then an egg white.
2: I'd hate to know what this tastes like on the rocks. If this is what if this is pisco
3: with simple syrup and bitters, and I can still like. But you wouldn't serve, You wouldn't make a, a egg white a cocktail that has egg white in it and put it on rocks. You usually serve that with no ice.
2: No, usually you would take egg white and you would throw it in a fucking pan and eat it like a normal human being. God damn it! All right, so this it wasn't terrible. I don't know the licorice thing, and it's, it's putting me off. Your last cocktail begrudgingly won me over. This one, uh.
3: what did I make you last week? The was it the whiskey business? Lion's tail. Lion's tail? No, lion's tail was. I thought that was the first week I did it.
2: I have no idea. They, when you're drinking that much liquor, they all kind of blend together, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> somebody,
3: somebody, keep track of what cocktails I give Drew so i don't over i know i i know i this is the third one so
2: i have to give a shout out here because so our super bowl sunday for those of you who were invited and then ultimately disaster struck i apologize for the last two years i've had child related or child supplied illnesses disrupt my super bowl parties this year made it a three Pete. it's actually funny i was making fun of mark on friday on friday both of my sons came down with a stomach flu kind of a 24 hour bug type thing and you know, our attorney, Mark, is having a child soon. And so I'm texting him from the garage at probably about 8 o'clock. And I go, hey, Mark, I see you and your wife are out for fish fries. I see you posting on social media about your annual fish fry tour. Enjoy it while it lasts. You know what I'm doing my Friday night? I've got a scrub brush and a bucket. And I'm scrubbing the vomit out of every nook and cranny of my child's car seats with a headlamp on. Headlamp, bucket, Vomit. And a couple Coors banquets because I'm not doing that job sober.
3: I picture that situation with Mark being a dad in the same context of that scene from Eastbound and down with uh, Danny McBride and Jason Sidakis, where he takes his truck to try to return the baby. And he's like, "Ah, oh, he threw up all over your upholstery. I think his body's rejecting the Pepsi because, you know, Mark will give his son Pepsi, because you'll probably get a two uh, free two liter when he buys uh, Little Caesars.
2: <laughs> so Saturday rolls around. Both my kids seem like they're doing a little bit better. Things are going well. I'm feeling good about my prospects for Sunday. So Iman comes over from Q42 Barbecue, and we cook a, Chris, am I exaggerating, masterpiece of a spread.
3: Yeah, it was an excellent excellent food
2: brisket, ribs, stuffed jalapenos wrapped in bacon, collard greens. Uh, what, I, we're making all this stuff. We've got the brisket on. You know, I, you know We're really just kind of settling in. And all of a sudden, my wife comes to the sliding glass door, and she's pale like a sheet of paper. And she goes, I just threw up like four times. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. It's not taking me. It's not taking me. And it is not like we need to do something, because we can't have a Super Bowl party in a house that's clearly clearly infected so luckily bridget is a goddamn saint and allowed us to relocate an entire super bowl party to her home on like five hours notice
3: now is this where we the part of the show where we let everyone know that you're a royal piece of shit how's that let me pull up oh the text the text message chris I'm sure likes I can... the
2: fact that i don't communicate with him but really it's because i don't care I no. was like, hey, we're going to Iman's house. It's Didn't uh, I I didn't believe that they needed a follow up because I figured if he wanted to go, he would text Iman and get his address himself.
3: No, no, no. You sent me a text Sunday that shit hit the fan, moving the parties to Iman's house once the food is done cooking. It's not far from where you are you where you were over by Wise Guys. So am I supposed to just go to Wise Guys and just run around the block yelling Iman's name because it's not common? No, you're just, supposed to text someone who actually gives a shit whether you come or not yeah, and you, find out the address. You have this thing. <laughs> Drew's got this thing where he just assumes anyone he's ever met has also been to every residence he's been to
1: so there's no need to, to
3: tell you the address because that, oh. was, that was almost the thing when you proposed to larissa you were originally going to do something down in north collins and invite everybody that was the original plan yep and 24 hours beforehand you switched it to templeton landing templeton landing But I had not known your parents' address. So at that point, if the original plan was going to stick, I wasn't showing up because you didn't give me the address because you just assumed I had been to your parents' house.
2: Uh, He's not wrong, folks. He's not wrong. But so we trafed on over to Iman and Bridget's, who graciously hosted us. We put out this amazing spread of food, and I had the best time I've had at a Super Bowl in a long time. Because I watched literally almost none of that game. I watched the first half, which was great. It was fun. And then I missed most of the second, almost all the commercials, the entire halftime show. Chris, it was amazing.
3: It might have been the best Super Bowl ever. The halftime show was awful. I mean, anybody saying that that Rihanna performance was good you need hey, to look listen, at, you need to look at yourself in the mirror. It was I, awful. I just
2: live through the memes, brother. I just look at the memes and I go, "Hey, if the memes are on fire, then that means that that thing sucked."
3: Yeah, I didn't like the Chiefs winning. I left during the commercial break of the game ending into the Super Bowl presentation of the trophy.
2: Well, yeah, because at that point it doesn't matter.
3: Yeah. I didn't want to see it. I don't want to. I didn't want to see the Chiefs. I
2: didn't see that either because I was busy drinking four. We drank a whole bunch of fourteen dollars Kentucky gentlemen, <laughs> like in true South Buffalo style. I love it. Like it, it, realistically, if the Bills aren't in the Super Bowl, that party right there is how I want to watch the Super Bowl every single year. And so, with that, Chris, I will finish this highly offensive cocktail of yours. Okay.
3: Hey, pisco sours are great.
2: Pisco Sours are something I would not great is not the word I would use for them. But so now the Lombardi has been handed out that miserable finish from 2022 has been washed away with this delicious barbecue from the Super Bowl party and this ridiculous cocktail. We toast the official start of the Bills 2023 season and we get into our Bills news update of the week. I do like the, the fact that we're kind of breaking this back out, because we're going to have a lot of content coming up over the next few months, and I like that we're kind of easing into this thing like an old man into the tub.
3: Yeah, well, video content is like right around the corner.
2: Oh my God. We're
3: getting a video switcher, so.
2: Like Rogan-esque camera angle changes, and it, yeah. it's going to allow us to do a lot more creative stuff so we can finally start using its stupid YouTube channel that you invest, like you invested time into setting up.
3: Well, I just set it up, but I, like, I don't, I don't care to look into. Oh, this is how you get into the algorithm and get your video. Like,
2: Chris, I think the highlight of our YouTube channel thus far is the one video after the Titans game where the Bills won.
3: The press conferences.
2: And I fell off the podium and permanently chipped my elbow. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> I think that that might be the highlight of our YouTube channel so far. We've got a lot of video content coming out over the next couple months. And then you think about the podcast. We've got our Salary Cap Primer with Paul Wineski that's going to drop this week. Free Agency Philosophy with Nate Geary next week. Uh, each week we're going to be doing a show dedicated to a six-pack of prospects that we're going to roll out every week as we chug a couple beers, have some drinks, and run up to Free Agency itself. Our annual Draft Primers, some Stadium Series podcasts. Chris probably one of the I'm looking forward to this. An AFC season recap show that'll essentially be the sports equivalent of the player haters ball. Yep. <laughs> like, we've got a lot of content that is specifically geared towards our petty segment of the fan base. It's going to be a blast. So, for tonight, though, I kind of wanted to see because I kind of want to dig into this and clean up some. I don't know, hanging storylines as we get into the actual offseason cycle and just some blurbs I found noteworthy since we're not going to have time to talk about them later. And some of them might have some meaning, while others are probably just best to be laughed at. Uh, Let's start with the stories that came out of the Super Bowl media days. Now, the fun part of Super Bowl week is supposed to be the anticipation of the game. But let's face it. Did you have any real anticipation for the Super Bowl?
3: No. I mean, there was decent, semi-decent storylines with Kels versus Kels and then Andy Reid playing the Eagles. That was about it.
2: I guess. I didn't even think about Andy Reid versus Eagles because, honestly, I think he's been so successful. Like, if he was a coach who was still struggling to find success, then maybe that storyline carries a little bit of gravitas, right? Like, maybe there's... Like, oh man, it's his first shot at a Super Bowl title and he's playing the team that rejected him because he couldn't win the Super Bowl. Then a kid, there's a little bit of meat on the bone, but otherwise, it just seems, I don't know, tired. It's like you're reaching for a reason to add drama to it. I don't know, but what I do know is that the media days are always good for some stuff, right? Like, anytime you put droves of media members in the same place as agents, coaches, and players, and then you put microphones around everybody with an opportunity to speak freely. There's at least a few things that come out that make you raise your eyebrows. Uh, I like the, the fact that news all of a sudden started coming out that T Higgins, you know, we, we got victimized by the Bengals and everyone says, Oh, that wide receiver core is crazy. Oh my God. It's the best wide receiver trio in the NFL. All of a sudden, rumors start coming out that T. Higgins might be available for trade because they probably know they can't pay him and Jamar Chase.
3: And Burrow. Burrow's up, right? And Burrow here in the next year or two. And it's historically, Cincinnati <clears throat> has been... The cheapest franchise on earth? I would have used a different term. Uh, criminals? Nope. I mean, that's also true. I mean, yeah, I get that with Pac-Man Jones. Uh, the Bungles? Nope. Nope. <laughs> Um, it's another term that has to do with money. You guys can figure it out, but
2: <laughs> go check out the Patreon, Chris. I, <laughs> really, we need to start launching unedited versions of this. Although yeah, I wonder if, for pay, I wonder if that would do anything for us, or if it would just get us canceled faster.
3: I don't know. It could get us canceled, but I don't know who would want to pay to hear
2: us just may being mean. Three, just yeah. us being mean it's like it's literally folks when we edit things out of the podcast it's just because the two of us are like rich voss and don rickles like we, we're just mean yeah we're just mean people
3: <laughs> yeah we could do that if if you wanted yeah. to get if you wanted to get real hardcore with that putting in that chime like five to ten times a show i mean it can be done and then throwing up the uh yeah, but the original you know content on a, a but, Patreon, but or behind a paywall.
2: Yeah, but I don't want to do that. That's a dickhead move. Paywalls suck, and the people who use them, like that's why Patreon just weirds me out. The people who do that, like Chris, I don't think what I do. I don't think what I do has a ton of value. So I almost feel like I'm stealing. Yeah, and that's one thing. Like if I'm doing it from the government. Yeah, but yeah, it's another thing if I'm doing it to people who I see and who I talk to and who I enjoy. Guys, if there's anything offensive that we bleep out of this podcast so that you think like you hear a clear edit, just come ask me in the mud lot. I'll have eight beers and I'll tell you. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> if I'm willing to say it over here, I really don't care. With that said, T. Higgins available for trade. What does that say about the... Because f- everyone's like, oh, well, the Bengals Super Bowl window, it's huge, it's this, it's that. The thing that made them imposing is because they have all these skill players. They're going to have to hit on some talents the way they did in the draft. Like, I got like T. Higgins in the second round. Great. Wonderful. It's what every Bills fan is hoping that we can do this upcoming season, right? Go find a giant wide receiver who for some reason falls that you can get your mitts on that becomes an impact player for you.
3: It's going to happen when you have to pay your quarterback. Now all of your focus should be on the draft and drafting high-level players in every round to get mm. you that production in years one to four while they're on the cheap.
2: And so when with a guy like T. Higgins, who isn't as... I mean, you could debate who's better, Chase or Higgins, but realistically, I think they know they're tied to Chase just based on what they gave up for him in the draft, based on his production overall yeah. as a player, his, his utility as a player... So I think Higgins becomes expendable all of a sudden. But then that also throws off your ability to say, hey, we've got three receivers and you can only cover one of them with your best cornerback. I just I, I feel like things get harder, but I understand why they'd have to do it. And, I, and then I like the fact that he was there. He's there. And they're just like, hey, what about the rumors that you're going to get traded? And he's like, what the fuck? What, I, I don't know. I don't know how to react to that. Yeah. <laughs> what, what would you do? If like you're sitting there, you're sitting on your couch, and all of a sudden some guy, or or you're hanging out having a conversation with someone, and all of a sudden someone goes in and they go, "Hey, Chris, uh, you, you know you work for this company right now, working with rubber. Guess what? You've been traded. Now you're gonna go work. But well, what? You're gonna be working in." Uh, well, I mean, if you're being traded to Cleveland, they're going to be like, hey, you now work for Ball Septic. You're going, be sucking the, you're going to be sucking the insides out of outhouses for the next two years. And you go, wait a minute, what? No, thank you. I didn't. Wait, what? I didn't sign up for this. No. When did this happen? Sean Payton also dropped a nugget that I thought was really interesting. He's doing an interview with uh, Mad Dog Radio. Uh, in fact, the clip of the interview is over on our Twitter at Rockpile Report right now. If you want to go check it out, he was trying to explain what took him so long to make a decision. He's talking about how oh, there's so many interested parties that had to take the time. He had to parse through all the offers. It's, it's almost like the, it's the way he's describing it, though. I will say it's kind of like that chick who annoyingly tells people about all the guys that are trying to hit on them at any given moment in the middle of Batavia Downs during a panel discussion about football. Chris, we don't know anyone like that, right? No. (laughs) Not at all. No. (laughs) And at one point, he stated that he was approached by a quote-unquote potential ownership group for Washington that asked if, if they were awarded the bid, would he be willing to coach for them? Now, it seems like an innocuous enough comment, but it proves that there is legitimate fire behind all this Dan Snyder selling the team smoke. But then that story gets more interesting because you start looking into it, you know, I mean, because you might none of you might care, but I'm a petty son of a bitch. And I hate Dan Snyder with a white hot passion. I know, you know, listener Preston. Yep. Preston hates him. His yep. buddies hate him. They've driven to Buffalo to watch live football instead of paying to sit in the st- they're they're Redskins fans. Instead of going to the stadium there, they drive to Buffalo
3: to watch football. It's probably we're flying well, Buffalo. Well, I would based on, you know, now that we're good and our ticket prices on the secondary market going up, but for the most part, it'd probably be easier for Preston to road trip to Buffalo, get a hotel, watch the game than it is to pay for parking and a ticket for the Redskins.
2: I think parking right now, just general parking is like $80. $80 Insane. a car. You're going to charge me 80 to park my car? What <laughs> Chris, I, I just like the the petty things I want to do. I want to buy a junk like I, I want to. Chris, you know what that makes me want to do stuff like, hey, I'll pay for a car, Chris. Chris, yeah, I'll pay for a car for five hundred dollars. Right. Got it. I'm talking a junker, a real junker, a Buick LeSabre, a Buick LeSabre from 1996. I will go find that. I will buy it. I'll register it, get it put on the road, drive it to the game, pay $80 to park there. Then, scrape the registration, take the plates off, take the VIN number off, remove the VIN from the windshield, flatten all four tires, and just fucking leave it there. (laughs) Now it's your problem, dickhead. You figure out what to do with this and your $80 parking. Like, that's that's where... I, I hate this guy. And... Guys, I have a whole podcast full of uh, DC podcasters and bloggers and beat reporters just waiting for the day that we as fans of NFL football get to finally flush that turd once and for all And the team sells. Unfortunately, news broke today that it seems like Dan Snyder might be trolling us all because news broke that offers are cooling. And it's starting to look like Dan Snyder might have quietly just been sabotaging this whole sales effort the whole time just to maintain ownership of his team like if i could just wait out the results of this congressional inquiry and make it look like i'm trying to sell my team and everyone will back off and then i'll put the price so high compared to the amount of money they make a year no one will buy it yep he's a real piece of shit he is uh it, it's funny though because i i immediately think of dwight when i say that from the office where, what, do you remember that episode? Where, uh, what's his face? The assistant from Florida, from Sabre, uh, the tall, gangly one. He's like, I, he goes, they call me, what is it, like the handle? Cause I go, flush, flush. And he goes, you might be, the, he goes, like, you might be the, fl-. he's like, you might be the flusher, but I am one of-. Dwight puts him in a hammer lock and is like, you're going to take me to Robert California's house. <laughs> he goes, you might be the flusher, but I am one extraordinary piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> that's dan snyder he's one extraordinary piece of crap so there was a lot to come out in these interviews but there was some that surrounded our own buffalo bills and one of them is concerning one of them's not one of them i think i think it speaks a lot about where our team is at right now the first one didn't spark nearly the discussion it should have
3: chris is this the uh Buffalo Bills tweet of on to 2023 and in the photo was not Poyer and not Tremaine Edmonds. <laughs> Is that what we're talking about here? And
2: it's along those lines. Um, so you, people saw that tweet. It's People saw that tweet reacted somewhat negatively to it. But the more concerning thing for me, and I guess not even concerning, it's just kind of a I mean, You knew it was coming, I guess, maybe. The Buffalo News does an interview with Jordan Poyer. And in the interview, this was a direct quote from Jordan Poyer. I don't know where I stand with the Bills. That's just how I feel. I don't know how the front office feels about bringing me back. I was never offered anything. Everybody knew my situation coming into the season and knew I wanted to remain in Buffalo before the season started. Stuff happened. I came to training camp and got hurt. There was never any talk about an extension. So I'm going to enjoy this process. I'm going to take it for what it is, and if Buffalo wants me back, they'll find a way. If not, I'm going to move on.
3: He's not coming back. That's what I take from that. He's not coming back.
2: It's concerning, isn't it? It is. Like, you didn't make him an offer at all? You didn't say, hey... What's your number? What's your number? Maybe we could talk about a hometown discount. You didn't even ask.
3: That is... uh...
2: You're talking about a guy who we didn't win a game without last season. And Bean didn't ask? To me... This whole statement makes it feel like his departure is a foregone conclusion, which also feels like a self-inflicted mistake of sorts. Like, you look at this. The only safeties we currently have under contract as of this podcast are Damar Hamlin, Micah Hyde, Cam Lewis, and Jared Maiden, who's a practice squatter who I'm not shocked if most of you heard the name and went, who? Who the fuck is that?
3: That If he's not back, that, for me, puts safety very high on our draft board. Also, not to go off into a tangent, but I put that six-pack in my cart at Premier Gourmet, and the beer guy at the Premier Gourmet goes, ooh, nice choice.
2: Union Jack IPA by Firestone Walker. It is smooth.
3: I got complimented by the guy that works at Premier Gourmet for picking that out. First of all, what did he look like? He had a beard.
2: Of course he fucking did. He's complimenting another man on craft beer, you have to have facial hair for that.
3: Yeah, but it wasn't like it wasn't like a well-tamed beard. It was <laughs> it was long. Cuz he works at a, a beer store. Well, Premier Gourmet is a, yeah. not exactly a beer store. Oh,
2: it's so so he works at a liquor store that happens to also sell other things.
3: Well, it's not a liquor store. Premier Wine and Spirits is a liquor store. Premier Gourmet. Oh, are you
2: talking about the place where they sell Iman sauce? Yeah,
3: yeah. And the Montucky. I went up there, I think on Monday, to get some Montucky. And then I was just, I know that you like IPAs, so I... Look at you. Well, thank you.
2: I appreciate you thinking of it, and so this is I was a delicious just, IPA. It really is good.
3: Hey, the guy said, "Oh, I had a great choice." I'm like, cool. I just, I just I'm like, not going to have any of it. <laughs> I just
2: love the fact that he goes, "I like got complimented." Like I got complimented by a guy. Let me ask: Did he have sloppy facial hair? Of course he did, because mm-hmm. those are the guys, right? Those are the guys. I. How much? Please do me a favor. Go back. Ask him if he froths, and then report back. Let me know. The next time you see him, <laughs> ask if he frolfs.
3: I will I will ask <laughs> next next time I go up to Premier Gourmet.
2: But so that's exactly one safety for the Buffalo Bills that you can rely on. Yeah. Who could potentially be suiting up for him in 2023. There's talk about moving Christian Benford to safety, but that would only serve to thin out a cornerback group that as today has four bo- bodies that you would trust on the boundary White, Benford, Dane, and Elam. You trust Dane? No. Maybe you move Dane to safety. I don't know. You do something, although his ball skills suck. So I. <sighs> this team, to your point, you're like, well, that moves it up the draft board. Well, the team has a multitude of offensive needs that I think trump anything on the defensive side of the field. So, the offensive line, wide receiver are probably the most notable. So earmarking the kind of draft capital that would get you a, like, day one starter, as Doug Whaley would call it, an off-the-bus starter uh, just doesn't seem likely. We're in trouble here. And it also, like, we talk a lot about Brandon Bean. And I'm not going to second-guess the guy, I, I guess, on some things. You know, there's certain things that I do... I feel like when it comes to contract negotiations, though, Chris, don't we generally applaud the job he does? Usually. Okay.
3: Was it a contractual gangster?
2: Would you also say that he is fairly transparent for a GM? Yes. He's pretty straightforward. He tells you why he made decisions or how he came to it. It makes me feel like we might have been either unintentionally – I don't want to say intentionally because I don't want to cast aspersions – but we as fans might have been led astray last summer because this is the quote he had when he was asked about Drew Rosenhaus being at Bill's training camp. He said, Drew and I have a great relationship, as do us and Jordan, and Drew and I have had many conversations. This just happened to work out for him to come up here and do this to start training camp, but we're good. I don't talk about negotiations, but we love Jordan. Drew is great to work with, and that's probably the extent I'd be willing to talk about it. Now, doesn't the verbiage used there make it seem like they're having conversations about a Poyer extension? Yes. So to find out now that that never took place, didn't. What was Brandon Bean actually saying there? Like, I me. Mean, me and Drew have had many conversations. Are you talking historically all of a sudden? Like, you're not talking about this instance. You're like, oh, me and Drew, we've talked over the years. I I don't know, Chris. It just like that statement stuck out to me, hearing what Poyer had to say about the state of the negotiation. It makes me firmly believe this team was already made up its mind to move on from him before we as fans ever even realized
3: it. I can see that, yeah.
2: Makes sense. But does it when you look at the state of our roster?
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data
3: Maybe like, maybe when uh, we get with Paul, Paul can tell us all about that for the salary cap ramifications of it.
2: Make sure you ask him. Make sure you ask that question. It's just a lot, and it seems weird, and it does make the Poyer exit. All these people who are like, "We'll use this money and shift this money around and bring back Poyer and Edmonds. I got a feeling Poyer ain't coming back regardless if they haven't talked to him.
3: Yeah. I mean, Edmonds is a whole other thing. Who's the. Was it Roquan Smith got his deal in. Uh, and that's as comparable?
2: No, I think he's, he's different. If only because when you look at statistically, like. I want to say it was Ryan Sullivan, Sports Rock 2 of Cover 1 on Twitter. Oatmeal Raisin
3: Cookie aficionado, if I hate you didn't both. know.
2: I hate you both and I hope you, I hope you somehow are involved in the same car accident. Like, simultaneously. <laughs> like. But, uh, he pointed out that our, our defensive EPA dropped by almost two whole points anytime Tremaine Edmonds wasn't available. Like, that's. It's not good. That's, that's what he means to your team. And I'm sure his agent's aware of this. So. When you approach him about like, hey, hometown discount, Greg Thompson of cover one tweeted out today. It was that scene from Norm MacDonald playing death on Family Guy. Don't know it. Of course you don't. Uh, And him just hysterical laughing in the living room. He's like, that's going to be his agent when the Bills come to him and say, hey, how about a hometown discount? (laughs) He's going to be one of the more coveted free agents in the entire NFL this offseason. The Bills have their work cut out. I don't know how they make it work. I it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see where we go from here. Now, as far as other notable departures, one of them that I think is ridiculous that we're even here having to talk about is Stefan Diggs and what pers- what like is perceived as a tr- potential trade demand. That's hilarious, Chris. Like he gets he he's in the middle of doing an interview. A much longer interview than any of the clips that have circulated social media. And in the middle of the conversation, he it was brought up about, you know, his brother Trevon Diggs made some comments on a podcast about how Cowboys fans need to start tweeting at Stephon Diggs, driving home a need for him to ask for a trade to Dallas. And fans lost their fucking minds. I thought in hearing his response, he was pretty political about it. But I understand how what comes across based on some of the other stuff that's out there. I mean, Chris, what's this website? SportsKita.com? Yeah, I've heard of it. Okay. Article. They put out an article on the situation.
3: Read the quote that I've put in there. It was a frustrating night for everyone at the Buffalo Bills. And towards the end of the game, fans saw Diggs shouting at his quarterback in frustration. Everyone picked it up. And rumors arose that the connection between the two players... Have broken down If that's the case then it makes sense For the wide receiver to look elsewhere As it seems clear that Josh Allen Will be the franchise quarterback For the Bills in the near future That quote makes No sense so, At all So
2: so this is the type of journalism That's driving these kind of narratives Now that's jarring to hear as a fan When you see it in print But what you have to do Is you got to take a step back And consider the source or even better, just go to the fucking website, sportskeda.com, like K E E D A, Keda, Keda,
3: Keda. I don't know what the
2: fuck you're doing. You look at it at face value, and it looks like a more hack, clickbaity version of TMZ for pro wrestling. Like the headlines you'll see today, if you go there, uh, which wrestler has Rhea Shipley is Rhea Shipley in a relationship with? A look at the WWE stars' dating history. Ooh. <laughs> how many times did john cena get married a deep dive into the wwe legends life <laughs> it's e it's it's the channel e but for guys who like to watch other guys oil themselves up and wrestle in speedos Parsum, i'm talking to you <laughs> this is your website who takes your cues from those people well, At least when it comes to the Buffalo Bills and NFL football.
3: I mean, Partham is going to let you know that it's Rhea Ripley, which you have on our sheet as spelled correctly, but you were calling her Shipley.
2: Shipley, Ripley, does it fucking matter? She's some broad <laughs> that I'm never going to see ever
3: on TV. So, no, speaking of broad, you should see her shoulders.
2: <laughs> is it one of those things where she could beat me up if she heard me say that out loud? Yes. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen. Have you ever been beat up by a girl?
3: No. I haven't. No. No? I, no, I've never I've never once come across some of somebody of Ray Ripley's physique in my life. I mean, I know people on Twitter that claim they have the same physique as her, but they don't. They don't. <laughs>
2: So there was a girl when I was in seventh grade. Her name is Jamie Mardino of the famous Mardino crime family in North Collins. That's my own joke. They're all just dirtbags who break the law. But um, I was in seventh grade. I was talking to some girls and she walked up and started heckling me because, you know, I'm a fat kid on a bike, not a fat kid. I was a, I was a Husky kid at that point. I was still sort of athletic, but not really like I'd started to fill out was a little sloppy. Started making fun of me, so I called her trash. And, like, most girls, when they're mad at you, you know what I mean? Like, you know the difference between, like, like when a girl's mad, they'll slap. Yeah. I've been slapped by plenty of women. <laughs> this girl was garbage enough that she knew how to, like, take a stance and throw, like, a combination. <laughs> so she threw, like, a left-right, like, sort of like a body shot and then also hit me in the jaw and i had to try to shake it off like i was fine and it was one of those things where you're like yeah well you know what i i got to get going anyway ha huh, that's hilarious and i got to ride my bike off because i'll be goddamned if i cry in front of you people
3: <laughs> chris if you're talking to a girl you cannot cry in front of her right well it dep- well it depends if you're, if you're in tr- a if you're in a relationship with said person yes you may do but if that. you're not and if yeah. you're
2: just trying to lay if you're trying to lay the ground yeah, you're, if you're if trying you're to trying lay to- the groundwork
3: yeah, if you're trying you to You cry her. in front of that girl. Yeah.
2: You're just going to be like, ha ha, that's hilarious. Also, I have some place to be right now. Probably crying around the corner, but don't worry about that. Luckily, her whole family's in jail for the most part. And she had three dead teeth in like 10th grade, so I feel like I won this.
3: <laughs> I don't know about it. Three dead teeth might equal what's going on in your mouth right now. <laughs> hey, I am a handsome man. No one has ever said that.
2: Ultimately... I guess the point I'm getting at here is these are the people who run this website. Do not take your cues from them or anyone like them. Because realistically, Chris, how fractured and broken do you think the relationship between Stefan Diggs and Josh
3: Allen really is? It's not at all. Okay. At all. I I can't. like how Look, how often do you see that situation on the sideline happen? Let's say it's the quarterback doing what Diggs did. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, look at him. He's trying to be a leader. Get everybody behind him. But if it's a, but wide, it's receiver. a wide receiver. a Diva. Oh, look Get at him that. out of here. There's He's a, a diva.
2: There's a problem. He's being a problem. Now, if a quarterback does that stuff, you're right. There, there is a weird double standard that gets applied to this. Just listen to me, guys. Take a deep breath. Say it with us.
3: Goose. Goose fraba. fraba.
2: Stop letting clickbait ruin your mood. This is much ado about nothing. He's here until like 2027, contractually. He's yep. not demanding a trade to another team. Even if they did, they would have to make room for his cap hits. It's just, it's, it's a whole thing. It's all much ado about nothing. Unless you're a wrestling fan and you like that website, in which case, go ahead. Believe what you want. In fact, keep reading that website. Stay away from me, stay away from my podcast. Uh, And then there's so we're talking about Josh Allen. This is what I think got missed in all the hoopla. And it was a it was a story to me. No one had reported it. I didn't know this. But Chris, do you remember hearing anything from Super Bowl Media Week about Josh Allen? No. There's a reason for that. He skipped Super Bowl week altogether. Altogether, he skipped Super Bowl week. Now, last year he was there, making the rounds. Doing all the promo spots. He hit every major new, you know, every major media outlet had an interview with Josh Allen. You know, in fact, I think that tour was part of the whole like, Hey, if we had gotten the ball, you know, whatever, I never got to see the ball again. And then the rule got changed for overtime in the playoffs,
3: which we had nothing to do with,
2: which we had nothing to do with. We didn't even propose it. It wasn't us. So, but he was just stating what he felt was a belief. Like, I, if I had gotten the ball, I know we would have won that game. I understand, Chris. Don't you identify a little bit with Josh Allen in this moment? Like, yeah, I don't want to be there now. Like, <laughs> after the, how much football did you watch the week after we got bounced in the playoffs?
3: I mean, I watched the championship games, but not as intently as I usually would. I barely paid Which attention. To it's them. weird.
2: Well, I barely paid attention to the first game. I hate watched the second game. It's and only because I'm a piece of garbage. I watched intently. My wife was like, what are you doing? She's like, you're sick and you're making chili. And now you have two open beers at the same time. And I go, because the refs are fucking over the bangles. And it's amazing.
3: It is weird that when we were doing this and we were bad and missing the playoffs. Like, remember, I was over every weekend at your place. We were watching wildcard, divisional, championship games, the Super Bowl. And then when you get in it, whether you're out in, like, wildcard, divisional, or the championship game, like... It takes the wind out of your sets. Yeah, you're out for, like, two weeks, tops. (laughs) So,
2: like the rest of us, he also took a sabbatical. He even turned down paid appearances, right? Chris, read his quote from Pro Football Talks article.
3: Uh Okay, you don't want to fall into the same routine, not making it there and going and spending time there. The, this is uh, Alan on Kyle Brandt's podcast. Putting the attention on the wrong thing, I guess you could say. Been there, done that. There's some good money-making opportunities there, but I'm at the point where I'd rather be playing in the game than uh, getting the payoffs. Yeah, we know because your contract is now... In session, you're yeah, getting like now, the bag. He's like, oh,
2: now I'm a multi-millionaire. Yeah,
3: you're getting your bag now. So... Starts this year, we get it. I
2: reserve the right to be a cranky fuck and not go talk to you dickheads about... Because you know what's going to happen. He's going to show up and they're going to ask him, oh, so what were you and Diggs yelling about? He's going to be like, well, I think that, that should stay between the two of us because he's a friend of mine. Yeah, why
3: don't you make away. like a tree and fuck off? <laughs>
2: <laughs> and it's, so it's just, listen, I already know what it is. Now I'm a multi-millionaire. I am a multimillionaire, i do not have to talk to you people. So I don't want to, and also to his point, he's like, you don't want to be the quarterback who's there talking to people, hanging out, hey, I'm here to see the thing, and yet you want to be in the game. He's he's intense. Like, you remember that article the year after we lost to Houston, and there's that uh, Kansas City game. Yeah. It was Kansas City-Houston the next week, and his buddies who he was out playing golf with were like, he was just... He was trying not to watch the game, but they were like, we could tell he was just staring at it. And, you know, they, they played golf and they went out to eat and they were like, he, he he was just glued to the TV. And the whole time he kept just saying, like, I should be there right now. That should be me out there in the field, not these fucking guys. I know that that's Alan's character. That's who it's it's his makeup. It's who he is. I like the fact that he's taking it this personally. Continue to take it personally. Let that be the thing that drives you because ultimately we're going to, we're only going to go as far as Josh takes us, right? Exactly. I think our coaching staff has proved they're not going to be able to do it. Our defense can't do it. Our defense has actually been one of the worst playoff defenses over the last two seasons. So what do you do? (laughs) It's going to come down to that guy. And I'm glad that he at least feels some of that. And that he has a sensitivity to, like, he, he his pettiness drives him to a level of, hey, I don't even want to be there if I can't be in the game. I like that. I do. And then, just switching gears before we wrap this thing up, changes to the
3: Bills coaching staff.
2: Is it enough to satisfy people?
3: God, I wish Nate was here tonight. <laughs> okay.
2: So... When the season ended, there was a lot of people calling for heads, our head coach, our GM coordinators, coordinators. Everyone should be fired. I understand it. I mean, I'm probably the most hyperbolic person involved. Like, Chris, our listeners all. I don't think our listeners understand. You've seen some of it firsthand. Yeah, like lunacy. That's me. Unhinged.
3: Yep, that is you. That's me.
2: You ever thrown a beard a moving vehicle in public, like in traffic? You have.
3: <laughs> You've seen that.
2: Yep. Not proud of it. Not proud of it, but it's a thing that happened. I was proud of you for doing that. <laughs> so, when I say that I'm probably the most hyperbolic one out of anybody involved to, or listening involved with or listening to this podcast. Know that I understand the frustration, except at the same time, it's that thing, Chris, of like, well, if you're going to make a change, you better know who your guy is, right? And then you take a look with all the shuffling going on around the league, new head coaches being signed, staffs are being fleshed out ahead of free agency in the draft. If there was going to be a major shift in any position, it would have happened already, right? Oh, yeah. So you're not going to see it. Like at this point, if they were to let go of Dorsey and Frazier, who who's who's coming in to take that? Hey, oh, I know, Rex Ryan. Apparently he's coming back to potentially coach for the Broncos as the defensive coordinator.
3: Allegedly.
2: Chris, how awesome will next year's Buffalo like Denver game be? Are we playing them? Here in Buffalo, if Rex Ryan is on the sideline... There's
3: no way Sean Payton's that stupid dude, to bring him in as D.C.
2: If Rex Ryan, after sitting on the sidelines for that many years, is going to get... How many other defensive coordinators said no to Sean Payton?
3: Like, Rex Ryan couldn't have been your first call, right? There's no way. But if you're getting a call from Sean Payton... You're going to want to listen. He's been one of the better, most consistent coaches over the last 15 years.
2: So how the hell does Rex Ryan end up being like brought into these conversations?
3: I have no idea. <laughs> well, I mean, he coached with Rob Ryan. He had Rob Ryan with the Saints for a cup of coffee. Can you
2: imagine if they both, Rob Ryan and Rex Ryan, riding a tandem bicycle into that fucking Mile High Stadium? God, yeah. (laughs) They pass out from lack of
3: oxygen. (laughs) That's a thing.
2: (laughs) Oh, it's funny because they're huge. Um, (laughs) Jesus. All right. So realistically, there are no major changes coming to the Bills coaching staff. But that doesn't mean things haven't been shuffled around a little bit. And I kind of have an idea or a feeling about them. We'll walk it through release of the safety coach and the departure of Chad Hall. Now, this is one of those things where I tweet something immediately after it happens and Bill's Twitter gets together and tells me I'm an idiot. And then two or three days later, Bruce exclusive comes along and says, like, oh, no, this is he makes the same point I made and he gets a golf clap from everybody. And I go, oh, it's because I don't know, because you don't get hammered and occasionally yell at people. Oh, I see. So, oh, so you think you're better than me. Oh, so you'd, what is it? So what if I do take my shirt off more often than I should in public? (laughs) Maybe I'm not the most personal per personable person online. Maybe I'm not nice to people on Twitter. (laughs) The Chris Riley schedule never gonna fall.
3: Bennett Brower.
2: Uh, for me, it was that the firing of our Jim Salgado, our safeties coach, wasn't scapegoating like everybody tried. They're like, oh, my God, they're going to fire the like the one guy with the least to do with it. I think a lot of it was just a dude who lost a game of musical chairs to a younger, up-and-coming talent and a new face with a skill set that the team desperately needed. You look back at Jim Salgado's career here. He was here from 26, 2016, 2017, all through Sean McDermott's career until now. He works up Teron Johnson like that was his thing. 2020-2021, he he got moved up to Nickelback's coach. Teron Johnson probably took his biggest step forward during those two seasons. Then he moves to safety coach in exchange for a younger, growing defensive assistant at the position. His first season there, the young safeties that the teams have kind of has to press into action are... Mediocre at best, nowhere near as reliable as the team would have liked. Now, you think about what we talked about earlier Poyer, foregone conclusion that he probably does not come back here to Buffalo. Someone will make him a, a better offer. If we didn't make him any offer, then it starts to feel a lot like uh, the Levi Wallace situation. Oh, yeah. Where the first time at free agency, they said, Look, Levi. You go test the market. We're not even going to give you an offer. You go see what the market looks like. Then come back to us. We'll see if we want to counter. And then we ended up resigning him for like $1.4 million. They did the exact same thing the following year, and the Steelers stepped up and said, hey, we'll give you $4 million. Take the money. Take the money. The team was basically daring him to make a move, thinking that they could replace him. I do think it's a little crazy that they played the same game with Jordan Poyer. Then again, you look at his age, you look at his injury history, and you say, hey, what are we going to do here? Yeah. Is this going to get better or is it just going to keep getting worse for a guy who plays a hyper physical position who's in his 30s already? I, I get it. I do. So now coaching youth is going to take center stage at the position with the likely departures of Poyer and Hyde over the next two seasons. And the team brings in Joe Dana, who has 15 years of NFL experience as a defensive backs coach. He's overseeing the development of guys like A.J. Bouye, D.J. Hayden, Darrell Revis, They're working with safeties, Jalen Petrie. Most recently for the Texans, who, even though the team was dog shit, Jalen Petrie had a breakout year. Um, he he's a guy, right, who has a record of teaching defensive backs how to play defensive back. Sean McDermott, he's a coach who's always kind of known how to teach defensive backs, right? Correct. Leslie Frazier, former defensive back.
3: Yeah. Defensive
2: back seems to seem to do well under his tutelage.
3: Yes. So you'll be interesting to see how Kyer Elam grows this Mm offseason with this new coach. And I I think it's
2: going to have more to do with whoever we add at the safety position. But realistically, again, Elam, Elam saved our asses down the stretch. Elam was one of our best players down the stretch when it mattered. Even though the team tried to marginalize him. It's it's an interesting dynamic and it's an interesting thing. Bringing a coach that knows how to teach rather than simply overseeing the position group and communicating. I think that it's a positive move. And I don't think that it's an indictment that... And that's what I tried to tell people. I don't think Selgado did anything wrong. I think the team knew that hey, we're shifting gears now. For the first time since Sean McDermott, when Sean McDermott took the head coaching job, 2017, we signed Hayden Poyer together as free agents. He's had, and they were veterans, multi-year NFL veterans. This will be the first time that Sean McDermott doesn't have that at his disposal since he's been a head coach. There's an acknowledgement from the team that, hey, we're going to be working with some younger players here. We need a guy who can teach. It's going to be paramount. I think that this is almost another kind of nail in the coffin for Jordan Poyer's existence here in Buffalo as a Buffalo bill, which makes me sad. But I also think that it's an acknowledgement by the staff that not that Salgado did anything wrong, but we're not, to, we're not going to move you back and fire this young kid who's working his way up. And we need something that you can't provide us. So you're out. Now the other loss, Chad Hall, that one stings. Like there's no other way to look at it. Uh, I'm not like think about the wide receivers who loved that guy. I'm yeah. sure they weren't thrilled about this. Uh he he was he was beloved. They bought him a truck for Christmas like 2 years ago. Interesting. Like they loved that guy. It also makes another member of the McDermott regime to leave for a lateral move elsewhere. Yeah. And oddly enough, they both left for Jacksonville. So you think back, you know, here here you've got this wide receiver coach who's up, his contract is up, he can pick wherever he wants to go. He chooses to go to Jacksonville and work under an offensive-minded head coach. Probably good for his career, right? Yeah. Okay? Like, he's got a head coach now who is an offensive mind. He's going to get to learn from him. Hopefully, like... Chris, again, we always, you know, we put this in reference of your career. If you were looking for a new job, you're a street free agent, and you had to choose between a place you were really comfortable, but that lacked any real upward mobility. You know, they brought in Joe Brady as a quarterback's coach. Yeah. Joe Brady has a pedigree through the league. Like there was people talking about him being an offensive coordinator candidate this offseason. Luckily he didn't get snagged, but He's a mind that's respected. So if you're Chad Hall and you're looking up, you're going, okay, so Ken Dorsey was here and they moved him up. They brought in Brady, who is the next guy up because he's so well-regarded. Where is my road forward as an employee?
3: Yeah, we're, like if, when I'm am I... to,
2: if I'm trying to climb the corporate ladder.
3: Yeah, if, we, if Buffalo were to make a deep run next year and Dorsey gets pegged for a head coaching job, are they just going to promote Joe Brady, or will I even have a chance at that OC job?
2: Exactly. So when you see that and you realize, I could pick this job where my my upward mobility is kind of black. It's like what you were yelling at me for a week ago with hockey goalies and how you're like, it's all about pipeline. And how do I get to a starting job?
3: Yeah, that's why Eric Portillo is not going to sign with Buffalo.
2: Yeah. So because Devin Levi. Yes.
3: And well, because he's not we, here. He, and because he's have- on the same projection wavelength. They're at the same they're at the bottom, but they're the same. And Levi came in via trade through the new regime. Okay. While so Portillo, they were like They
2: picked him. Yes. They
3: didn't pick me. Yes. Okay. That's why Portillo's not gonna sign here. So it's
2: it's the difference between that or going to a place where you might not be as comfortable, but you could increase the speed. the speed where all of a sudden you're running your own department. Like what would you
3: do? I mean, if I was Paul, I would have. I probably would have bounced.
2: So you can't be mad at him for doing so, but it does stink because I look at this and I say to myself, "He's not the. He's not the first one to do this." Uh, Special teams coach Heath Farwell. I have it on good, good authority that he wasn't fired after the thirteen-second debacle of twenty twenty-one, but just the same. He was a special teams coordinator in Jacksonville with the Jaguars the following season. Take that for what it's worth. Wasn't fired. Not here. And I have it on even better authority that his departure came after a very animated conversation between Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, And he's Farwell, behind closed doors at One Bill's Drive, immediately following the game at the team facility the night they came back. Chris, you tie that into what I also know. Again, good authority. This is what I I feel like it's stupid for me to be like, I have... Because you know who it makes me feel like when I go, hashtag sources. Yeah. (laughs) You know exactly who I'm subbed to. Like... (laughs) yeah hashtag sources I also have it on very good authority that the rift between Sean McDermott and Brian Dable that was a real thing That was a very real thing it developed it wasn't always there but over the course of his final season here it really kind of ballooned and it's why there was really no hope of ever keeping him you know if his contract had run out We'd probably be telling the same story about Brian Dable. Now, does that make Sean McDermott a bad coach? No. He's had coordinators who leave and go other places.
3: Well, we fired Dennison. That was justified because it's Rick Dennison. Fucking Rick Dennison. But Dable moved up, he got yeah. a head coaching job. So. We haven't had all our position coaches. Luckily, he leave up. for lateral move. I have a
2: feeling it would have been a lateral move, and so even and that's what I'm trying to say here is, I don't know that our coaching like again. I don't want to conflate this too much, but what I want to point out is, Sean McDermott is making some of these some of these transitions make sense, right? Like the uh, the Selgado, yep. You know, like, that that makes sense. The Chad Hall one adds more wood to kind of this funeral pyre that just starts stacking up when you talk about coaches. Because, Chris, eventually coaches talk about that. Like, in NFL circles, that stuff gets out. That stuff gets talked about. Hey, how come you bailed on the bills? Hey, how come you didn't opt to go back to a team where all the players loved you and it seems like a team that could win a Super Bowl? Why wouldn't you want to stick around there? Hey, how come you were fighting with your head coach? Like, what was your beef with him? It's not like these guys don't all talk to each other. Do you think that there's a chance that Sean McDermott might be kind of warming his own seat with all of these coaches leaving for either lateral moves or just like I said, the whole Dable situation?
3: No, I don't. I don't think so.
2: I just I think he needs to be careful here. I mean, and maybe some of it's just how he runs an organization, but I think he needs to be careful here. Now, there's also the, uh, the, the wide receiver coach Adam Henry move that we made to replace Chad Hall. It's interesting to me. If only because it, <laughs> he's been around the NFL for years, and no, it's not a secret that his career has kind of orbited that of Odell Beckham Jr., I'm sure no one in our fan base is overreacting to that, right? Yeah. The wide... What I like is that beyond this whole tied Odell Beckham, which everyone is, again, being like, oh, is it a lock? Is it a lock? No, it it doesn't matter. What I know is that wide receivers everywhere he goes seem to thrive. Almost most importantly to me, because, you know, people talk about, well, he was with the Giants and Odell was there. And then he went to Cleveland when Odell went there and then he worked in Dallas and Dallas had some great years. Well, he also coached at LSU and coached Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham when they were just lumps of clay trying to figure out like how do I take my natural skills and make them NFL ready? Make me a top 60, top 90 pick in the draft. He coached those guys. He was responsible for the molding of those players. Just like we got done talking about the new safety coach. When you think about Chad Hall and Chad Hall's experience working with pros, guys who are already settled. You look at this guy and what does he have in common with the new safeties coach, Chris?
3: I have no idea.
2: A track record of showing he can cultivate young players into successful NFL careers. That alone makes him a strong candidate for the job. Everyone looks at the title. He was at LSU with Landry and Beckham. That means that one of those guys is going to come here as a free agent. Instead, I look at that and I say to myself, he oversaw the growth of two collegiate. How how many great high school players go to college and are pretty good and then go to the pros and are
3: not a lot. They kind of
2: you become mediocre, not Not stars. Not a lot. Okay. So, knowing that he put together two, he he groomed two guys who went on to have really solid careers, plus others, I just feel like this is another move showing that there's a youth movement coming at this position and that there's probably some investments to be made where young players are going to come in and it's going to be on these coaches to teach them. So, in that way, I don't think that it's a, I don't want to call it a blessing in disguise. I think it's different. I think just like Ken Dorsey coming in for his offensive coordinator, there will be growing pains. But there's a method to the madness. I kind of wish that things were ending career-wise for so many of these coaches differently because I think it is a poor reflection on Sean McDermott. I think the fact that he keeps shuffling through all these coaches is a poor look for him. And it makes me... I guess if I was going to end this show with a question for you, Chris... What would it take in your mind to put Sean McDermott on the hot
3: seat as we head into twenty twenty
2: three? What would it take? Let's just a down year, okay? But what's considered a down year?
3: Nine and eight.
2: You're talking about missing the playoffs.
3: Nine and eight, ten and seven, a wild card bounce.
2: Okay, but that's not nine and eight. That's making the wild card round. Nine and eight teams probably don't make it in the AFC. So you can't conflate those two
3: things and put them together. I'm just giving a you op- I'm giving you options. Okay, but I'm
2: talking about a. So is it a loss early in the playoffs?
3: Yeah. Okay. So
2: at this point, you're looking at Sean McDermott saying you have to win at least one playoff game next year.
3: Yeah, one or two.
2: If they lose in the division round again, <clears throat> for a third straight year, I mean, you're, st- you're still not ready to warm that seat up. Where do we, I guess that's what we need to spend this summer thinking about. I don't know if it, where would... is the bar for the Buffalo Bills in 2023? We all, we're going to spend months talking about the work to do, the players, the talents they could acquire, the different things they could do. I think what we should start thinking about now so that it, once we get to see the fruits of their labor and free agency and in the draft, we can kind of assess like, okay, what does success this season look like? I think we need to start trying to establish that. What does a good season for this Buffalo Bills team look like? Is it Super Bowl or bust?
3: No, The AFC is going to be difficult as shit to get through. Sure. Of course it is. NFC is way easier. All of the good quarterbacks are in the AFC. Okay. But so, that's the job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, gonna be, it's more difficult than if you were in the NFC.
2: So, over the next couple months... Every now and again, I'm going to check back in with you, Chris, and I'm going to try to define what does, like, what does a good season for the Buffalo Bills look like? Where is the bar for you? Where do the Bills have to make it for you to be content with the way the season played out? For today, I hear you say three things. First, you go 9-8. and eight. You're like, oh, 9-8 would be bad. But if we went, what, 10-7, and seven, you'd be okay with that? No,
3: I'm saying I'm if giving 12, you. I'm giving you two options: nine and eight, ten and seven. It's, okay. it's within a game of each other.
2: But I'm not talking about. But I'm not talking about regular season. Fuck regular season. I think our team's better than that, don't you? Yeah. Okay, so then would then take record in the regular season off the table, right? Because if we believe, but if you want to
3: get on the hot seat, that's believe, what. It, that's what it's going to take. Okay, so you think that if the
2: Bills go into the playoffs next season, right now? Not knowing what the roster is going to look like, not having so many question marks around the roster, you're saying that to you, the hot seat looks like not making the playoffs.
3: Nine and eight, ten and seven, or if you get bounced in the wild card. So if the Bills go out there and put
2: together what looks like an impressive roster over the next month or two, yeah, might that expectation change?
3: Yeah. Okay. we Depend- don't know what the fifty-three looks like. Uh, I can't wait for this.
2: You're, Folks, you're gonna to get to follow me on the ride of. You're just throwing around like. Well, no, because I know in my head. No, no, because I know in my head what it looks like.
3: Yeah, I, I gotta know it, who's on the team. I, I can't. I can't. I can't give definitive. So exactly. you're like throwing around Charlie Gross hypotheticals over Charlie here. Charlie Gross.
2: Charlie Gross hypotheticals. I listen. Dave, hey, listen! Don't you put that evil on me? <laughs> 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 that guy's hilarious. Is he still around? He is. Shame. <laughs> so what we're going to do is have this conversation over the course of the offseason. And I think that everyone should ask themselves that. What does a successful 2023 look like? This year we were pegged as Super Bowl favorites and we fell grossly short of that. And it took its toll on us as fans. Now we have to come to grips with that. Move on. But also understand that this team is gr- like a team that felt like it was destined to do more than it did. Failed us terribly. So how do you reconcile that and come up with reasonable expectations? It's going to be fun to watch this offseason process play out and the decisions that the team makes, the moves that they make over the coming weeks, how those impact those expectations. I can't wait for it, right? Yeah. Because it is hard for me to sit here today and tell you afc championship game or bust if i don't know who the hell's on the roster i have to see what that 53 looks like and it's going to be an interesting thing to check in periodically chris and pick your brain about this all right i can't wait but guys for tonight we gotta get the hell out of here i appreciate you coming on this ride with us this off season come back every week we're gonna have more stuff for you but for tonight we got to get the hell out of here i'm drew gear that's chris krueger this has been your rock report
1: it's happening daily. mypatriotsupply.com